the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're back. It's hour two of our newly expanded three-hour show. And I'm Randy Corcoran. Good to have you here. Phone number 303-696-1971. 696-1971. Still a decent night outside. Let's see what we are trickling down to. 35 degrees here in Aurora. A little hotter over there in hell, 37 degrees in Denver. Don't forget, our first Arapaho Tea Party meeting of the year is next Tuesday at 630 South Metro Fire Rescue Building. Gotta have a ticket. And you can go to Eventbrite, find the event. Tickets are free. Grab one or send us an email at ArapahoTeaParty at gmail.com. ArapahoTeaParty at gmail.com. If you're already on our list, the um, invitation email will be going out before this weekend is over. We uh, we ended the hour with uh, part one of my live conversation with Dr. Peter McCullough. And uh, text messages coming in, really appreciating this side of the story, which you just simply do not hear in most places. And it's really sad. Uh, people who won't even uh, talk about it. And I personally believe people are being injured and killed as a result. The website is PeterMcCulloughMD.com, PeterMcCulloughMD.com. And very, very interesting. If I have my Google browser open and I type in Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, I I went through a couple of pages and it never pops up his website. If you use DuckDuckGo or another less... Uh, manipulated browser, then, of course, the Peter McCullough website pops up first. But if you're having trouble or you only have Google or whatever, you can just put PeterMcCulloughMD.com into your browser. And uh, this guy is everywhere now. And we can continued our conversation and especially dug in to the Monday night football hit of Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin. We're back with Dr. Peter McCullough. So grateful for your time this evening here in Denver, Peter. I, I know actually we're pre-recording, but uh, but that's when we'll be playing you, and uh, we'll get it out on our podcast as well. You have been so busy. You have been on cable TV, radio, podcasts everywhere. So just my own personal gratitude for making some time for us here in Denver. When we, you. you bet. When we went to break, we um, uh, I I posited that. One of the biggest catastrophes of the government's reaction initially to the CCP virus was locking everybody and avoiding the opportunity for um, herd immunity. And it seemed to me that in countries like Sweden and elsewhere where they tried a different approach, that they got through the 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 peaks and valleys of COVID-19 much, much quicker with much less damage. It's true. I mentioned the Great Barrington Declaration. <clears throat> a million doctors signed up, including myself. It said no lockdowns, no social distancing, no masking. Even the CDC agrees now we only need to wear masks when we're directly dealing with COVID. Only protect the high-risk individuals, senior citizens, others at risk. We could have gotten through the pandemic. Remember Spanish flu swept through, uh, and without all the modern medical care, it was over with in about two years. 
all of these things that we've done, we've prolonged the agony. And boy, a recent example of that is China. Mm. China had this COVID zero policy, draconian lockdowns. Uh, they were welding the doors shuts to buildings. Uh, they still wear hazmat suits, tackling each other, trying to get PCR testing. It's a total fracas and all these uh, videos that I get from China. And what we've learned is now China has had a tidal wave of COVID-19, probably uh, new variants, XBB and others. They're having index infections, second infections, hospitalizations, deaths, because they haven't had uh, you know, the ability to have some immune challenge and rechallenge and begin to develop that immunity against severe outcomes. To make matters worse, they've used about 12 vaccines, uh, very ineffective, killed virus vaccines that just promote the development of resistant viral strains. What a disaster China has been. What I'm told now is what the CCP is telling us is just a fraction of reality. It's really bad. Uh, they've already loaded up on planes and everywhere, so it's already going to spread all over the world. The restrictions in travel didn't come soon enough, and uh, it's already out of China. And so if we start to see waves of more virulent strains come in on second and third infections in the United States, uh, I, I'd hate to predict this, that we're back to where we were with Milan and New York and everything else three years ago. Mm. Yeah, and just no way to know. Um, we just have to hang on and wait. We're uh, we're talking with Dr. Peter McCullough. His website is petermcculloughmd.com. For, gosh, two years now, I have been cautioning people, not as a doctor, not as a lawyer, just as a human being, to do your own homework before you you know, respond to these government recommendations, especially when it comes to these multiple jabs. And I think, you know, time is really proving out that that was sound advice. I encourage anyone who is considering a booster or a first jab to look at Dr. McCullough's website, start doing some homework on your own, because something else I'd like you to comment on, Dr. McCullough, is that, man, you put this stuff in your body and there's increasing evidence that it doesn't go away. It's really disturbing. Paper from Stanford published in Cell, first author is Rolkin. They sampled lymph nodes and they found the synthetic messenger RNA stuck in lymph nodes and it wasn't going away two months after the shot. Uh, you know, it looks like so far, it looks like these are permanent genetic shots that people are taking. <clears throat> and to make matters worse, there's a paper by Marcus Alden, first author, senior author Yang D. Marinis, uh, published demonstrating reverse transcription meaning that Pfizer uh, stays in the body so long, as an example, a endogenous enzyme called line one reverse transcribes the code and permanently puts it in the human DNA. That was shown in the human hepatoma cell line. Experts believe that's probably happening. Uh, there's also been papers showing the spike protein is inside cells very close to the nucleus, <clears throat> where uh, it's clearly causing trouble. So I can tell you, we had uh, U.S. Senate testimony on December 7th, 2022, Dr. Jancy Lindsay, expert in this area, testified. She believes that couples, as they conceive, now are passing the vaccine and the spike protein into, to the baby. Uh, this is a very, very disturbing observation. A recent paper by Hannah and colleagues in JAMA showed that breastfeeding mothers who ill-advised took the vaccine are now transferring the genetic material through breast milk to babies. Yeah, I, I'm just so grateful that that my family, and that includes the my children who are now parents of my grandchildren, um, 
have held off and have have waited to see you know what we actually learn about this stuff instead of reacting with panic and and I know that there are a lot of folks who have it now that are very concerned about it. We have hashtags on social media sudden death uh, died suddenly documentaries that are coming out and it is terrifying but people need this information and they should certainly be looking at it before they make any potentially long-term decisions for themselves and that's why i'm so appreciative to to talk with people like you and and continue to try and get this information out we've got uh, a good seven or eight minutes left i think but uh uh, I definitely want to get your take on Monday Night Football. I, I really pay no attention to football anymore. Um, sometimes I'll check in just to see how bad the Broncos have become. And I'm a guy who had season tickets for, you know, two and a half decades. My kid and I went to so many games. I've been to Super Bowls. It was a big deal. And I just turned on them when it became a politically correct place to watch a sport. But um, when I heard about what happened on Monday night, my first reaction, without even seeing the hit or hearing any commentary about it, was, I'll bet this young man was vaxxed. Because I've seen, I've just seen so many videos now of people mid, mid-street at the World Cup, you know, announcers dropping uh, in the midst of, of announcing. And as I said before, um, athletes and, and just people in every different profession, just all of a sudden. And you can even recognize the sort of what goes on in their body because you can tell something is happening with their heart. Were you watching that game or did you have you seen that hit? You know, I was. I, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I'm a big Bills fan. Oh, this yeah. Monday Night Football. They're going for the top of the AFC. This could be the Bills year. And let me give you the backdrop here. I had just published with uh, – Panagis Polycretis, an Italian scientist, the data on the European soccer and rugby leagues, all the European sports leagues, they keep track of this. Before COVID-19 vaccines, and this is a lot of players, way more than the NFL, 29 cardiac arrests per year. Almost every one of them turns out to have a congenital heart problem, and it happens. Since COVID-19 vaccines, since 2021 forward, 1598 cardiac arrests 1101 were fatal. They couldn't be resuscitated. So this was out there. This was on Twitter. Finally got into the peer-reviewed literature. There's been montages. I I did one with the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation with Asim Mahocha, a UK cardiologist. It's called Until Proven Otherwise. And basically saying, listen, the only new thing that's in sports now is the vaccines. Now, fast forward, we um, had a survey done just over the holidays called the Rasmussen Report Survey, and it reported that 28% of Americans knew somebody who died of the vaccine. So this got out there, and everyone is primed thinking about vaccines and deaths, and here we go. Uh, play, we're starting to play the game, and uh, sure enough, uh, uh, there is this you know, run and a tackle, it looked like uh, an average tackle, and there's head and neck contact, gets up, brings his hands to his face, almost claps in celebration, and then he collapses. We learned that he had a cardiac arrest. I commented, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson this week and others, to me it looked like a primary cardiac arrest. And he was received appropriate CPR, defibrillation, stabilized, they waited for his mom, she got into the paramedic unit. They got to the medical center. Now, almost certainly, he's undergoing therapeutic cooling. He's mechanically intubated. He's in a chemical uh, medical coma intentionally to let his uh, neurologic system recover. And then I think he's received care in a time window where he's going to recover. I think he's going to come out of this. That's great news. Now, here's the thing. 
Um, I think his football career is over with. He's probably going to end up needing an ICD. But there will be an investigation under what caused this. What caused this? The, the professional athletes are screened out for having hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, obvious congenital heart disease, EKG, abdominal. I mean, they're heavily scrutinized. That's the reason why the safety record is so good in the NFL. So the only new thing could be the COVID-19 vaccines. Well, what do we know there? The COVID Community Core Program by the White House and HHS, they floated out $13 billion, $13 billion in 2021 to promote the vaccines in Hollywood and in the media and in uh, churches and community groups, $13 billion. A prominent recipient was the NFL. So the NFL takes money from the government. They turn around and they have a vaccine mandate. And now by March of 2022, the Associated Press declares 95% of the players took the vax, 100% of coaches and staff. That's what, that's what the NFL said. Now, uh, people, the players that didn't take the vax, it became obvious, like Cole Beasley, he plays on the Bills. Aaron Rodgers got sick. He got from a color protocol. Uh, Aaron, uh, you know, became uh, known in my circles with Joe Rogan. Well, wait, wait, a, don't move on from the McCullough. Don't move on from the McCullough protocol. You said Aaron Rodgers got it. What is it? Yeah, McCullough protocol is a sequence of drugs that we use in combination up front: uh, nasal virucidal washes and gargles uh, when available, monoclonal antibodies. And then we use uh, nutraceuticals and supplements, vitamin D, vitamin D, vitamin C, quercetin, famotidine, aspirin. And then we move into oral antivirals, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, Paxlovid, molnupiravir now has, uh, has been taken off because of a failed trial, uh, corticosteroids, inhaled budesonide, oral prednisone, oral colchicine, and then into blood thinners. So it's about four to six drugs. It's a treatment protocol. It's published. It's, it works. It has supportive uh, comparative data. So Aaron got that and he got through it. But the point is, Aaron had a polyethylene glycol allergy and said he couldn't take the vaccine. And the Packers really wanted to force him to take the vaccine. I went on with Michelle Tafoya, who's uh, you know has spent a lot of time in Monday Night Football on the sideline. And uh, Michelle gave me the insight that the NFL was taking no prisoners on this. They wanted everyone to take the vaccine. Here's the great concern. Last night, um, <clears throat> we have... A young man goes down, he has a cardiac arrest, he gets resuscitated, and every single person turned white. They looked nauseated. The players looked nauseated. The announcers, all the commentary. And I think it was more than the cardiac arrest. Everyone was thinking, oh my gosh, is this what the Europeans have been experiencing? Is this real vaccine-induced myocarditis and cardiac arrest? There had been plenty of High school athletes, college athletes, ex-NFL people had already died. They just hadn't seen it real live on Monday Night Football. And I think that's where all the emotion is. Well, it's an interesting comment, and, and you especially since you've been on the sidelines, because, you know, we've all seen, like, when Joe Theismann had his, his career ended with a, with his knee just being shattered. And, and you know, it, it is horrible to see somebody hurt on the field. But But you're right. There was a... It was kind of, and maybe we just read our own sort of perspective into it because my first reaction, and again, we're we're hearing it so much, you know, the ABC uh, producer of this week with George Step on all of us, uh, thirty-seven years old, heart attack and dead, and uh, some other young ABC employee. Every time I hear that now, I'm thinking it's it's a vax injury, and all those poor people are saying, "Oh my God." Um, that's in my body as well. And I, and I do wonder, what, what is the NFL going to do about it? You, if you look at that hit, 
Um, he jumped up and it and he popped up. It wasn't like he was in shock or it had much of a, you know, that he'd had some kind of a reaction to the hit. It didn't seem he popped up about to celebrate before it took him down. It was very traditional. And yet I've heard commentators just trying to make the case that it was the it had to be just the right sort of a pointed impact on his heart in his chest. You're a cardiologist. Was there anything about that hit that uh, that could be explained by the hit, his his subsequent reaction? No, we analyzed it carefully. I actually published a substack on it. There is a condition called commotio cordis where if a lacrosse ball or a baseball hits somebody in an unprotected breastbone, about 30 cases a year it can precipitate cardiac arrest, but it's immediate. You get hit with a ball and boom, you're down. Mm. Football shoulder pads have wonderful protection over the breastbone. You know, they take a helmet in the chest every play. Just yeah. about. So commotio cordis has never happened in a pro football player. So we quickly ruled that out. There can be spinal cord injuries, but again, they go down. They don't bounce up. That was quickly ruled out. And then we learned later on that he had a shockable rhythm. So uh, yeah, I went on Tucker Carlson. I told America, listen, it was a primary cardiac arrest, period. That's what it was. It looked no different than what we've seen in the European athletes. Now, this is not a private medical matter. This is the NFL taking government money, your money and my money, and the government now mandating the vaccine on the players. Now we have a player go down. It is the duty of the NFL, the family, the Bills doctors and UCMC medical center doctors to come out and tell us, yes or no, did he take the vaccine? We're 48 hours into it, and they've been silent. I'm really worried. Well, yeah, it's uh, uh, people you love. Uh, just looking ahead, it is a tremendous concern. Doctor, we could certainly go on and on and on with you. We've gone long in this segment. So very grateful for your time. Uh, thank God to Elon Musk for you know unleashing the ability to put uh, uh, contrary or alternative or in my perspective, factual views back out there in social media. And, but you have kept your head high. You've continued to march forward with regardless of the impact on you professionally and personally. And uh, that takes real courage. We need men like you in times like these. So God bless you very much. Thank you. God bless you. And thank you very much. We really appreciate your time with us here in Denver uh, this evening. Thanks, Randy. All right, Dr. Peter McCullough. Stay with us. We've got one more, and we will be right back on 710-KNUS. I'll bring you out of your Saturday evening slumber. Welcome back at 628, halfway through the show. We've got our third hour back, which makes me feel very excited and not so rushed when we've got a good song to play for you. I'm Randy Corporan. Good to have you here. We just finished what was a two-part pre-recorded interview with Dr. Peter McCullough. He's actually on a plane tonight, or we'd have had him live, so we pre-recorded him earlier in the week. And that's why if you were calling in, we couldn't take your calls at the time, just couldn't uh, work that out. But we'll have Peter McCullough on a lot now that he's been uncensored, back on Twitter. Uh, if you're, I'm telling you, I talk to a lot of people. I'm, they say I'm done with the social media. I won't go on Twitter but Twitter is a fast and furious way to get access to tons and tons of information and great connections. So I'm loving it. And uh, thanks very much to Elon Musk. That is for sure. Before we jump into some new stuff, in fact, very soon we'll be joined by Taylor Rhodes. He is the executive director of the Rocky Mountain Gun Owners. Is, is it association? No. Okay. Rocky Mountain Gun Owners. Uh, Dudley Brown's organization. That's how I became acquainted. 
and uh, we'll talk about a very special event that we had with uh, with RMGO, and gosh, it was two months or so ago in Fort Collins. But I primarily invited him in because on Twitter, and we follow each other on Twitter, a lot to learn um, from Taylor, but uh, uh, I saw on Twitter where he said it's time to move on from Donald Trump. So really looking forward to getting into that. But before we do anything, let's get to Brian in Aurora. Uh, I'm sorry, Brian in Arvada. Welcome. Happy New Year. Hey, how'd your New Year go, Randy? It was great. Great. Uh, Wife's getting better. Grandkids are doing great. Uh, Lots of love. Of course, you know, I closed down my law firm the week between Christmas and New Year. So that turns in this week, this year, turned into a 12-day vacation for everybody except me <laughs> because you you know it's like a hospital you don't get to close down a law firm so with everybody gone it was a pretty uh, intense well, week for the me. reason you do what you do is to spend quality time with your family and you know be alive and have fun better believe it but randy i was wondering do you think people are able to reflect on what happened to us how quickly that tyranny took over. Uh, we were all running around in masks, and even people that knew they were wrong. This is what bothers me the most, Randy. They actually knew it was wrong. They go, well, hold on, I put it below my nose. I really showed them. We bowed. And listen to the, you know, if you listen to it, land of the free, home of the brave. Some reason I don't know, Randy. Do you think they're all going to reflect and we're going to get brave again because we can't be free unless we're brave? Is kind of what I'm thinking. No, Brian. I think it takes a small, active, determined minority to get the job done. Most people are sheep. Most people are going along to get along. Most people don't want to, you know, take put up with the dirty look if you walk into the grocery store or go into the medical facility or whatever and refuse to wear a mask. And uh, and I don't think that's going to change. What is going to change, though, and this is in part thanks to people like Elon Musk, more and more information is coming out every single day about all the lies that have been told. Plus, we have these sudden deaths that are uh, increasing daily. Well, we know. I mean, they started off lying to us. Why do, why do we take liars and we just decide which lie we want to pick? Once you lie to me, you're done with me. I'm done with you. That's just the way it is. I don't compromise with you. There, there's there's no in between, and that's I'm I'm hoping that a lot of these people because I know that probably eighty percent of the people when this all came down with this tyranny, I mean they had uh, crime scene tape around uh, you know playgrounds. But they were actually willing to say, hey, you know what, kids, we're just going to comply. We can't comply, guys. We have to stand together. Either we're going to stand together and we're going to win together, or they're just going to pick us off apart in between. That's why this whole January 6th thing bothers me. That's why I love you and Matt Dunn. You give them, guys, you give them word. Everybody else just dismisses them. Oh, well, no, they're not my patriots. But they know nothing about what they talk. We have to stand together, and uh, I guess that'll be my uh, word for this evening. Well, Brian, greater words have never been said. Thanks for listening, and hope to hear from you again real soon. Happy New Year to you, sir. Yeah, I I just don't disagree. I mean, 
I was on Twitter not wearing a mask in airports, obviously to get onto the airplane. You, you, you had to. Um, and just dealing with the looks. And, and But quite often, this was what was interesting. Packed airports full of masked people, masked children, masked babies. And people would walk by and they'd nod and they'd thumbs up. And, and it was unique. And there were people who wanted to express their resistance to this ridiculousness and they just didn't have the courage so maybe people like brian maybe people like me maybe people like you can continue to be the inspiration most people just want to get along and and i understand it we've got lives to live Uh, it now costs you know eight dollars for a dozen eggs i mean the the list goes on and on before we get to our in-studio guest really looking forward to a lengthy conversation with taylor rhodes um, Lewis was kind enough to put together some audio for me. Uh, if you watched any of the drama in the House of Representatives, uh, and I didn't watch very much of it, but I was able to watch last night the 14th vote that failed, the 15th vote that succeeded. I was tweeting or texting, I mean, with people who were sitting right there on the floor uh, trying to get some insight into what was going on. I still don't know what the trigger was that allowed Matt Gates before that 15th vote, to come down last minute, shake McCart- uh, McCarthy's hand, and then uh, flip his his uh, adjournment card to a red card and say no adjournment, and then flip his vote and elect a speaker. Regardless, we're going to learn all that, and I will bring it to you firsthand whenever I have the opportunity. Um, but what we did get last night was a very interesting contrast, and the contrast is between the House Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries, the election denier, and Kevin McCarthy, the newly elected Speaker of the House. And you can pick this up in just a very few pieces. Grandchild of immigrants can rise to the highest position in the most important legislative body in our country. And if my colleague, Hakeem Jeffries, with his life story, can rise to lead his party, then opportunity and democracy still thrive in America. I don't particularly find Kevin McCarthy to be, you know, Reagan-esque in his presentation. I don't feel overly inspired. But what I want you to listen to is tenor and tone. To Leader Jeffries, there will be times we agree and many times we will differ. I promise our debates will be passionate, but they will never be personal. That's my commitment to you. A conciliatory, reaching out, reaching across the aisle, and we know what it's like with these Democrats. That's, that's never going to work as a strategy, but very appropriate on the first night after a week-long Battle just to, for this man to get himself elected. I know the night is late, but when we come back, our very first bill will repeal the funding for 87,000 new yeah. Good start there. Last bit you need to listen to of McCarthy, and then you can't wait for you to hear Hakeem Jeffries. I, I hope you weren't up that late last night. As for the Chinese Communist Party, We will create a bipartisan select committee on China to investigate 
how to bring back the hundreds of thousands of jobs that went to China, and then we will win this economic competition. Yeah, I, actually, they've got one more, but uh, I've got news for you, McCarthy. Uh, Donald Trump already showed you how to bring those jobs back, how to take on the economic dominance of China. But we'll set that aside. Final words from Kevin McCarthy. Our nation is worth fighting for. Our rights are worth fighting for. Our dreams are worth fighting for. Our future is worth fighting for. Therefore, with love for this country and charity for each other, let us now take our oath and be worthy of the office on which we are about to enter. God bless everybody in this chamber, and God bless America. All right, I, I can live with that. You know, McCarthy's now saddled. The Freedom Caucus has their spurs on. It's, uh, it's going to be a very interesting year. I'm okay with that. But just you heard all of the sort of generosity toward the other side, the optimism, some of the old, uh, you know, classic lines about America, but all decent, friendly, feel-good stuff. And then the Democrat minority leader, Hakeem Jeffries, 16-time election denier, got up. And apparently, he's worked real hard on his alphabet, and he sounded like this. House Democrats will always put American values over autocracy, benevolence over bigotry, the Constitution over the cult, democracy over demagogues, economic opportunity over extremism, freedom over fascism, governing over gaslighting, hopefulness over hatred, inclusion over isolation, justice over judicial overreach, knowledge over kangaroo courts, liberty over limitation, maturity over Mar-a-Lago, normalcy over negativity, opportunity over obstruction, people over politics, quality of life issues over QAnon, Reason over racism, substance over slander, triumph over tyranny, understanding over ugliness, voting rights over voter suppression, working families over the well-connected, xenial over xenophobia, yes we can over you can't do it, and zealous representation over zero-sum confrontation. We will all... Oh, God. Yep. I, I hope Kevin McCarthy was listening because Hakeem Jeffries was sending him a message. Uh, ain't no free ride. Ain't no free lunch for you, buddy. Uh, we're going to be in your ear and in your face every step of the way. And I was going to look up that Z word that he used to contrast xenophobia. And I forgot. I just don't think I know what that xenia or something like that. Maybe we can figure that out in the break. But we do need to take our break. Really excited when we come back. My in-studio guest, Taylor Rhodes, the executive director of Rocky Mountain Gun Owners, 
tweeted out, uh, gosh, I think it was just last night, time to move on from Donald Trump as the guy who has been to Mar-a-Lago twice in the last two months. I thought that was worthy of a conversation, and he will join us next. We'll be taking your calls as well. 303-696-1971. 641, I'm Randy Corcoran, 710 KNUS. All right, I'd let it air out, but we've got an in-studio guest I want to get to. But before we do, I don't want you to forget, when I'm talking about Hakeem Jeffries' election denier, man, this guy was intense. House Democrats will always put American values over autocracy, benevolence over bigotry. That's not the The one I wanted. Come on, Randy. There is a cloud of illegitimacy around the election of Donald Trump. Russia interfered with our election, attacked our democracy for the sole purpose of artificially placing someone at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They were successful. There was clearly a cloud of illegitimacy hanging over 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue that's growing. You know, I could go on, but that's just a little reminder to the Dick Wadhams clones out there who say, we can't talk about these things. They're going to get us beat in the election. Hakeem Jeffries is now the minority leader in the U.S. House of Representatives. It didn't hurt him a bit. But we're going to change topics because, man, so excited. First time I've ever had you in studio. Uh, Taylor Rhodes is the executive director of Rocky Mountain Gun Owners. And, um, you know, we we haven't been together that many times. I can't remember exactly when I met you. Uh, it's been probably, what, almost a year and a half, two years that you've been in charge of RMGO? So I took over in July of 2020. I think we met in, in 2018 or something along the yeah. lines. Or, uh, but but yeah. you were nothing then. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. No. Well, it's good to have you here. And uh, let's have a little background on you. How did you wind up uh, ED of RMGO? What's your background? Right. So when I was in college... I was upset with concealed carry laws and, frankly, with taxes. Um, So I realized that my congressman was not – he was what we would call a rhino, right? He was – Where were you? uh, In South Mississippi. So it was Stephen Plazo who just got replaced uh, with a uh, sheriff uh, who seems to be uh, more conservative than Plazo was. Um, So I got involved at that level. Uh, started a college Republican chapter, and frankly, uh, I I started consulting. Right, I was a I was a nineteen year old stunt nosed kid that you know every nineteen year old kid thinks they know everything in the world about politics. So I was going to join that crowd, and uh, from luck have it, uh, I started winning r- a lot of races. Wow. Uh, started winning uh, sheriff's races. Was in one of the. Uh, most highly spent sheriff's races in the entire country in South Mississippi. That's a story for a whole nother day, but we were raising literally millions of dollars uh, for a rural county sheriff in, in South Mississippi, worked on you know state legislature races, and then ultimately uh, went to work for Carly Fiorina and Ted Cruz. And when that didn't work out, went to work for Donald Trump in the RNC. Fascinating. Um, and actually came out to Colorado on, on – uh, through the connections that I met 
through the Trump campaign and uh, and through the RNC. Yeah, kind of fa- fascinating. Nineteen year old kid, you upset about uh, gun restrictions, gun laws, and then you wind up in Colorado. <laughs> exactly. Oh my lord. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But when I got here, I got here in uh, in in the fall of 2017, and it was bad. Right, we had magazine restrictions. Uh, universal background checks. But in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't much other than what I had been used to in, in Mississippi, right? You couldn't, you didn't have con- uh, constitutional carry here, which we had in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the magazine capacities weren't really enforced. Uh, so I was like, yeah, you know, it'll be fine. I mean, that was my number one issue, has been my number one issue for a long time, along with life and, and taxes, right? That's what I was, that's what I was raised on. So the thing that brings you in today was a uh, tweet that I saw. You and I follow each other on Twitter yeah. where, where you said it's time to move on from Trump. You mentioned life. You mentioned uh, taxes. And uh, certainly we can talk about some of the sure. damage that Donald Trump did to, uh, to the Second Amendment. But uh, it seems to me he was a pretty powerful president in advancing things that are very, very important to you and me in those two realms, taxes and life. Sure. So I think it's important for the listeners to know I was uh, was and, and still am to a degree not a never-Trumper, right? That was never my MO. Um, I was actually the the co-chair for Students for Trump in Mississippi. Uh, we did we spent uh, almost $500,000 for Donald Trump uh, to win the state of Mississippi. Um, I, so I, you know, the Never Trump movement was was never even in uh, my vernacular. Uh, I was all in um, during his presidency. You know, I helped him based on the three issues that I cared about: uh, guns, babies, taxes, uh, and spending. Really, um, and I felt betrayed. I still do feel betrayed uh, on those three issues. I mean, people don't realize Donald Trump was a nightmare on guns. He really was a nightmare on guns. He did more to degrade the second amendment than even Barack Obama. Uh, people that hear that are like, what are you talking about? Trump, Donald well, the thing, first thing that pops to mind for me is bump stocks. Right. Uh, it, so explain. Yeah, go ahead and elaborate. Right. So I've, I've got a cheat sheet here because I wanted to make sure I, I, I talked about everything correctly. Hey, since you've got that, we won't forget it. Um, can we do just a little bit more on background? Because you mentioned you yeah, worked yeah, yeah. with and for the RNC. Yeah. I'm the national committee man yeah. on the RNC for Colorado right now. What was your role in the RNC? So when I went, I actually started with the Republican uh, Republican National Convention uh, in 2016 to help get Trump nominated, uh, which was a so, nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I, I came there as a cruise delegate, yeah. so I remember that well, obviously. Yes. I didn't know you at the time. Right. So I, was, I actually started as an intern. Were you one of those idiots that were standing in front of all the microphones if we didn't protect them very carefully? No. So I was, I was actually once. <laughs> so it's a funny story. My, so my job, I was the liaison. Uh, between the Trump campaign and the RNC at, at the end of the day. Wow. Um, at what age? Uh, so I was 21 years old. I was just able to ah, buy a beer. It's pretty heady, man. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it was super cool. I was way in over my head. Um, but I started as an intern. My boss quit, and they promoted me. And I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it was cool. I got to meet a lot of cool people, uh, some of which have been to jail these days. Uh, but I got was in, you know, I, I speak poorly upon P- President Trump. Uh, you know, now upon his policies, but 
But I will say I've met him three times. Uh, after the first time, he knew exactly, and a year separated most of the most of the interactions. Knew exactly who I was, yeah. how, how you been, how your parents uh, knew. It, it just speaks to the character of, of the guy. Um, so I, I don't think you know. I was never one to be upset about the mean tweets. I mean that didn't really bother me. Uh, I frankly, I they proved to be pretty useful. They really. pro- right. Yeah. We see how the Democrats play. Right. Even, even though all of our Republican friends and the talking heads and the. Uh, and the radio folks always want to focus on anything that they that they perceive that Trump right. has done or said wrong. Right. It's really funny how our own side likes to spend so much time telling us how bad we are. Right. And I, I didn't think that that was an issue. I actually, frankly, liked that it was, uh, if anything, it was comedy, right? It yeah. was, it, you know, what is he going to tweet at 3 o'clock in the morning tonight? Sure. Um, so the dude never sleeps. Never sleeps. Four hours. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, with, with the RNC, I was introduced to a ton of good people, um, made a lot of connections, uh, really expanded my consulting business, and uh, and ultimately led me to where I am now through the connections that I had made. Um, so, yeah. It's phenomenal. I told this story, but for people who are new to this time slot or new to the show, in my two recent visits to Mar-a-Lago, uh, the second one is when I really got to interact with Donald Trump for the very first time. And it was interesting to me because when he w- when we were talking, we weren't one-on-one. We were in a room, about 20 people. In fact, Mar-a-Lago was empty. We had the whole place to ourselves. It had been being remodeled all summer long, and it was reopening the next day. And at this particular evening, there were only about 20 of us there, including Donald and his uh, you know Secret Service and, and those folks. But in interacting with me for the very first time, every time he'd open his mouth, he'd say, Randy. He'd say, Randy. So I heard my name like 20 or 25 times, and it was explained to me later. That's because when he sees you in a year or two years, he will remember who you are, where he met you. Um, and that's how he imprints that in his mind. It was it was very impressive. Really. Right. The second time that I that I ran into him, it was uh, it, there was the first time meeting I was with him. Uh, some of the crew that ended up in jail was there. And, yeah. And he made a joke about it. And was like, ah, you know, isn't it great that we aren't with those guys now? And I'm like, I don't know if I'd joke about that. But yeah. yeah here we are. So uh, it it is it is a testament of of who he is as an individual. Uh, but I don't. It's not as an individual to me. It's nothing personal. Politics sure. is never personal to me. Uh, Politics is is ultimately the adjudication of power and who rules who. And uh, in my opinion, uh, Donald Trump failed conservatives uh, during his presidency. And unfortunately, um, I think that's going to become an issue in, in this next election, uh, not just because, you know, Donald Trump is, you know, the, the king of the GOP these days, which he is. There's no question about that. Um, you know, my Twitter feed would certainly say it. Anytime I say something, even you get pounced, you, pounced yeah. by the MAGA crowd, right? So I, I tend to, you know, when I say something to make it very, very direct and very pointed and very true, right? That is, those are the things that you always want to say. Sure. But um, the it will be interesting to see, you know, it, it sounds like he's in it for, you know, the long haul. Yeah. Even if he's not the nominee, he may run as an independent. That that could make things very interesting uh, for Republicans of how how do we how do we navigate the new world of Donald Trump? And, you know, he clearly doesn't seem like he's going away and in his following isn't going to betray him. Well, and even uh, with the speaker's race, you know, early on there was like, see, Trump, the Trump cult is dead. There's no influence. He can't he can't even make the deal. He came out for McCarthy. And yet as late as last night, you know, you, the 
picture I saw of uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's cell phone. Right, I saw trying that. Trying to hand it to, uh, I forget the guy's, the uh, representative's name, but he was making the calls. Right. He was pulling the strings. And McCarthy even came out and, and thanked him. So right. uh, I have obviously some influence there. Uh, we're coming up against a hard break at the top of the hour, but you're going to stick around. Yeah. So I can't wait to dig into all of this. And your commitment to freedom, to who's going to govern us, to, to limited government, not only is impressive to me, but obviously that's why you and John Caldera and the Independence Institute are so close, right? That they feed you guys so much money and all because you guys are yeah, committed exactly. to the buddies. same principle. <laughs> it's, an, it's an inside joke, man. I have been at meetings at the Independence Institute where, where Dudley Brown's name is just trash. And I've never really gotten into it. I don't understand it too much. I know they think that he causes Republicans to lose, or used to, when he was involved in Colorado politics. But uh, I don't know if we'll have time for that on the other side. But we are definitely going to pick up uh, with uh, with your perspective on the damage that Donald Trump did to the conservative movement sure. and some of my responses. And, and I don't even know what they all are. So this is going to be an yeah, awful lot of fun. fun. <laughs> All right. Final hour in our newly re-expanded show. Three hours. We'll take you up to the 8 o'clock. Taylor Rhodes stays with us. I hope you will, too. And I expect that we'll be speaking with Frank Gaffney a little bit on China in our final hour as well. So you stay right there. It's Randy Corcoran. Wake up here on 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 